Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Just a Thought. My name's Nick. And I'm Joe. And we're two guys in our 20s who can banter on pretty much anything that comes up. Though we're total novices on most of the topics we talk about, and we probably don't have all the facts in order, we still think the dialogue is pretty interesting. Today we'll be talking about Google, antitrust legislation, and if business should be regulated. Um, So I'm just going to jump in and give a little bit of background on this one. Full credit goes to the New York Times for all the information that I'm about to share. Um, They do tremendous reporting, and this is mainly their data. So um, the European Union just fined Google $5.1 billion for anti-competitive practices. Um, Google currently has an 80% share of the world's smartphone markets, and they have 90 days to take action. That action is to essentially stop automatically including search and other apps in their mobile devices. And if it doesn't do this, they are basically going to face a 5% penalty to their parent company, Alphabet's total daily revenue. So their annual revenue as a company is $111 billion. So um, not small dollars by any means, not small stakes at all for Google. Um, they'd actually been up for a, a penalty related to anti-corrupt or anti, um, antitrust related behavior um, earlier. And it was about half of this size of this fine. So $5.1 billion for um, anti-competitive practices. So that's basically the setting. Um, and so I just wanted to, Get any initial reactions, Joe? What do you think? How are, how are you taking this? Um, what did you think when you when you read that this came out? Well, you know the the first thing is I I kind of I was thinking didn't this happen last year or something? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I'm pretty sure there was you know a, a previous um, previous time. I, I think um, you know to me it's you, you see a lot of companies being fined for this type of. Uh, um, this type of activity, especially, um, you know, smartphones as ubiquitous as, um, you know, Android is, uh, around the world. It's, it's, it's no wonder, you know, this type of thing would, would happen. I don't know. I'm just wondering there's really no other option for consumers and that's where the antitrust thing comes in. Um, but what's sort of the malicious activity that's, um, that's happening and where they're kind of, um, you know, preventing other business from taking place. That's, that's the part that I'm, I'm a little bit confused about. Yeah, that's totally the big question mark here. And Google's defense was essentially that their apps and their the, the different business software that they're developing is actually good for competition. And a lot of it is actually stimulates competition. So their whole defense is basically saying, hey, guys, we're actually not trying to limit competition. We want more people to come into this market and compete. We want the competition. We want to like improve and go to the next level and develop technology in general as an industry rather than protecting it and and being very, I don't know, guarded about it. Um, So Google's defense is basically the same thing. They're like, guys, what exactly is this about? Um, And your question about why the EU, um, there's a whole like subtext related to this thing. I I guess diplomatic ties between um, America and the European Union have been weakening since Trump has gotten into power, and that shouldn't surprise anyone for any reason. Um, (laughs) But there's there's a whole diplomacy subtext to this thing. that we totally shouldn't get into, but it's out there. I'm sure there's way more um, speculation on the subject out there. So, no, it's yeah. true. I, I I totally agree. I think there's probably a lot of you know other underlying uh, you know reasons for this type of activity. I mean, you know, one simple one could just be it could be a source of revenue for the EU. Um, yeah. You know, that just happens to fall within their um, you know regulation, but. Um, and it's just happenstance. But I, I think the other thing that I wonder, you know, going back to your first point, 
um, is if a company becomes so good at something and, you know, they don't necessarily have malintent, um, which I'm not saying, you know, Google does or doesn't. I'm sure some people have very strong opinions about that, um, you know, or accidental malintent, um, you know, within their, their, um, their culture, or their practices. But I'm what I guess what I'm wondering is if a company becomes so good and they're, you know, providing something, like you said, that's good for the world, um, you know, should we try to slow that type of um, activity? And, and, and we, I, I only say we because um, it's not only the EU, you know, this happens all over the world. So um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it's a super murky area. I, I don't, me personally, my opinion on this is that a business shouldn't be penalized for being successful. And if they happen to hold a very dominant market share, that shouldn't be to their detriment because there are times when that can actually be beneficial to, to all the consumers. Um, on the other hand, it's very unclear when you, if you can demonstrate um, malintent, as, as you said, if you can actually determine when, when that moment happens, because just by nature of being large, sometimes there are economies of scale that keep out smaller players um, from even trying. Like it, if I don't know, it's almost like David and Goliath. If you see this enormous player, why even try? Like, why would I? Me personally, I don't even know why I would try to take on search. Because Google does a phenomenal job, and there doesn't really seem to be a market opportunity for me. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's the intent behind it or not, but I, I personally don't think businesses should be penalized for being successful. No, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, another uh, a complicated piece of that is when you look at the engineers that go to, I think there's an acronym, I can't remember what it's slipping my mind now, um, you know, between Google, um, Amazon, um, Apple, and, um, oh my goodness, Facebook? I guess Microsoft or Facebook. Yeah, I can't remember what the acronyms. But, um, I, you know, when you look at the technical talent and the uh, engineers that they're bringing on, um, they're very much fighting against each, you know, between each other for the best talent. Um, yeah. And when you think of it from the point of view of um, whichever company is able to put, you know, better culture and compensation and is more attractive to um, those engineers or whichever talent is, you know, creating these features, um, you know, it's uh, it's sort of like they're always going to win if they have that type of talent. Um, of course, you know, the little guys can come up with stuff too. Um, but it, it wouldn't be surprising. So in, in that, in that, from that standpoint, um, you know, companies that have amassed a certain size, they continue to grow. It's, um, um, it's quite, it's sort of like uh, self-inflating and then basically they, they reach a size where, you know, other, no other company can catch up. I don't think we've gotten to that point yet. Um, you know, but there are just four at this point. So it, it could consolidate to three, two or one. I think this is super murky too, because to the average consumer and to the average user, it's not even clear how they monetize. Yeah. And so when antitrust legislation actually started, it was all about price gouging. Um, like you go back to like the Vanderbilt days, right? Mm -hmm. And he was accused of, of price gouging and charging individual people too much money to use a service. And that's just not the case here because he's a, like search is free. Yeah. And monetization happens on the back end. It happens with results and Google AdWords and things like that. Um, so to the individual consumer, it, they're actually, they only benefit by, by scale. Um, so I don't know, it's, it's a huge question mark. I, I would like to know a little bit more about the EU and like what grounds are actually, um, what grounds are building true. this whole thing on. But because it, they're I, probably very yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also looking at, you know, what for the consumer, I, I always think of what is the next best viable alternative? Um, if, the ne if, if that happens to be something that is so much lesser that it's causing... Um, you know, imposition or, 
loss of either quality of life, you know, going back to, like you said, the, the original intent of antitrust, um, you know, versus now it's like, okay, well, I use a different search search engine or, you know, or maybe, to a different phone. maybe price itself is a flexible concept now. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the amount of data that you give up is considered a price that you pay to use a service. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. No, I think that's a really good point too. Um, but yeah, I, I think, like you said, so I, I think, um, you know, going back to like overall, um, is, is this type of regulation, um, you know, is it surprising or, um, you know, maybe is it, is it good or can it be seen as good or bad? Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's probably something where, um, these companies will fight back with all the power that they possibly can, um, you know, just to avoid those, um, uh, those fines. But, um, when you think of the, you know, will that actually stifle their innovation, I think, is, as another way of looking at it? Um, mm-hmm. I think the answer is probably, like, not really or marginally um, or, you know, it's, it's probably not even traceable. So from that standpoint, just $5 billion um, or, you know, whatever they are able to whittle that down to um, actually bear or whatever actions they need to take, does that bear an impact on the type of innovation they're able to create for the world? And does it... Um, reduce overall the, the benefit for the consumer in that standpoint, you have to then weigh um, is, is having less choice um, or having, you know, no freedom of choice versus um, having freedom of choice, but having all uh, slightly lesser options, um, you know, w- what would people rather have? And I think when you look at it that way, it becomes less of a consumer oriented question because those, that doesn't really seem to be the issue. It seems to be more mm-hmm. of um, you know, how can um, authorities or, uh, you know, um, branches of government actually make money off of this situation? So, Which, again, like the whole intent of antitrust wasn't about that. It wasn't about holding back businesses, about protecting consumers. And so if, if you think about just the numbers, again, to ground ourselves, it's $5.1 billion fine on what is basically $110 billion of revenue. So for Google, this is a speed bump. They're growing faster than 5% a year for sure. Um, so it's, I don't think it's really going to hamper their innovation. It might wreck their annual plan a little bit for their forecast, but it's not really going to, it's not going to hold them back. Well, and let me ask you a question though. I'm, I'm kind of interested. So if, if you think five, five billion, uh, won't necessarily hold them back, um, would, could you then maybe as an investor or economist, could you look at that amount and say, well, that was actually a, uh, that was, you know, $5 billion wasted then? Or is it more of an incremental thing where it's like you need to have five billion over uh, four years to actually make an impact? Versus you know five billion one year doesn't necessarily drag you down too much, but as it trends, um, you kind of add those up, then yeah, it can stifle the growth. Yeah, I suppose it depends what part of their their PNL is coming out of. You know, mm-hmm. if it's coming straight out of revenue, it's not as painful. If it's coming out of profit, if it's coming out of profit, that's stuff that they can't invest in. Um, they can't invest in people they can invest in innovation they can invest in technology they mm-hmm. can invest in manufacturing you know that's it, it sort of depends what line on the you know it actually would hit I, I personally don't know where these fines come out of my guess is revenue but i'm not sure so then if we kind of flip the question that way what as google what would you what would then be your move as far as one how you deal with a fine that big and two maybe how you go forward um, trying to avoid that or maybe um you know just to pause on another thing uh, maybe maybe five billion dollars is just a cost of doing business. 
um, in, in today's world. And, you know, they're making 10 billion and, or they're making a hundred billion and, and five is just the amount that you need to, um, you know, play the game. I personally, if I'm, if I'm the business owner for Google and I have full span of control over $110 billion, we're really dreaming here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but if, if that's the position that I'm in, I, I treat it like any other, um, any other headwind in my business, right? So if I'm looking at my annual plan and I say, okay, there's going to be a 5% hit, it's going to hurt a little, but we'll have to figure out how to shore that up and try to st- try still to close the close the year at our original target. Um, and so it would, to me, I would treat it basically as anything, any other um, sort of headwind, like competitive activity or if there's a quality issue or mm-hmm. if something goes wrong with shipments or something. I mean, that those 5% swings happen all the time in business sure. plans. So for Google itself, their business planning cycle they're probably really upset that this happened, but it's not going to derail their plan. Right. And then maybe if I could throw one one more your way, um, just to see what your your thoughts are. Um, if you're if you're looking at it from the standpoint of um, you know five billion is is just a cost of doing business, um, or maybe there's another you know another rationale that you could give to it. Would do you think you would necessarily um, attribute that to a specific um, activity, meaning? Um, the five billion is due to um, search, is due to something, and so it's actually going to come from the search budget. Um, or maybe to put it another way, would you reduce certain functionality so that you would take less of a hit going forward um, in either new products that you design? If you if you've if you've identified um, you know search or um, maybe something with GDPR compliance or something is a risk to the business or a risk to revenue. Um, going forward, would you potentially look at you know uh, reducing or eliminating that feature um, just to prevent uh, that from happening in the future? So to play your question back, which cost center pays? Yeah, basically, basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I personally don't think that this would come down to like penalizing search because it's really not search's fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I. I don't know if you're thinking about like cost centers as, as your children, like, like little Tommy search didn't really do anything wrong here. Something yeah. went wrong for the family, but <laughs> little Tommy isn't really delinquent here. Um, and we still have to, we still have to succeed as a family. So we right. need all of our family members to still continue to contribute. And if Tommy makes rain, then we still have to really support Tommy. <laughs> right. uh, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily isolate the problem quite like that. I would look at my year holistically and, um, figure out what strategic segments need to grow faster than others and continue to support those as well yeah. as I possibly can and make the tough trade-offs um, on the parts of the business that maybe don't need quite so much support. Yeah, no, I totally agree on that. So maybe maybe then a larger question. I'm kind of asking you all the questions. So I don't know if you have any, any uh, you know, interesting thoughts about that, but um, I'm just wondering, you know, maybe we can also talk about just regulation as a whole too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Let me throw it back to you. I've been talking for a while. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think business should be regulated? And if so, where should it be regulated? Where should it, should it not be regulated? I, I think the, so I guess I could preface it um, by saying, like you said before, I think, you know, the, the world that we live in today and the sort of regulation standards that we, that we have, uh, there's a sort of baseline, I think that is definitely good for all. Um, and I think that's true across, you know, most industries, I think there are certain places where there there could definitely be some more regulation, heavier regulation. Mm-hmm. There's other areas that um, could sure as hell use um, less regulation, <laughs> um, for sure. 
Um, but I, I think in the technology, if I could call it technology sector, um, which I think most of this qualifies, um, I think that there's probably there's probably a consumer protection, uh, you know, regulation that, for instance, what you know, GDPR and, and other EU laws that have come out. I'm forgetting the names of other ones, uh, regulation mm-hmm. that have come out. Um, I think those are inherently good things. Um, I think they're in early stages, and I don't think they account for a lot of future innovation. And what I mean by that is probably two things. Um, one, you know, there's innovation that we didn't necessarily see coming, um, which I think is probably in the name inherent in innovation. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think there, innovation. Right. Yeah. But there's probably some things that like we couldn't have even fathomed when we when we come up with um, you know certain regulation. And it's it's just um, it's kind of a matter of you know the problems that you're trying to solve for today. Um, you may have other solves for in the future, and then regulation becomes old, and then other people try to use that previous regulation to their advantage, even though it's not benefiting consumers anymore. But um, I think there's probably that scenario playing out, um, and then I think there's also you know you have kind of uh, um, regulation that is um, that needs a chance to kind of evolve a bit. Um, and that's just really, you know, the more that we know and the, and the, the more that we understand about how, about how consumers behave um, and what people want will change, um, I think it will evolve that way. Um, so mm-hmm. I, think, I think that the, what I'm trying to say for technology, um, technology sector and, and uh, regulation um, on innovation is probably that um, we need to make sure that we're not restricting uh, innovation as much as we possibly can. Um, you know, limit that, but then also leave it um, a bit open to, uh, you know, future growth as well. I think this is an example of something that is probably inhibiting um, a bit of future growth, although search is already pretty mature. Um, But Mm -hmm. for instance, I'll I'll give you, I'll leave you with one last thought on that. Um, If you look at where voice is headed, um, you could very easily with the type of regulation that they're, that they're putting in place. And I haven't seen any of the, um, you know, actual regulation or, or documents that they put behind it. Um, but if you introduce that now, um, and there happen to be certain words in there that, um, you know, may affect voice search. Um, I think that could be, you know, extremely unhealthy for the types of things that Google and, and other, um, search engines and, um, you know, providers are trying to do mainly, uh, you know, Amazon and, and, uh, and Microsoft, um, so I think in, in that way it could really be detrimental. Um, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, overall it does, pro- you know, provide some type of blanket protection to consumers, um, you know, where it could go terribly awry in the, uh, in the private sector. So, so that's a really interesting take. I, I did not think of it through that filter at all, but you basically drew the line between whether an industry, well, not even an industry, but I guess like a, a business segment within an industry is mature versus whether it's still in its infancy and growing. Is that kind of a fair yep totally that's exactly what it yeah is. no i think that's a super a super intuitive and, and clever way to actually think about it um because it, it makes sense to penalize a mature industry because there's so much more at stake whereas for i guess like an infantile industry that's still growing there's really only benefit to, to innovation and innovation is the gift that keeps on giving to everybody um so i i, I fully support that and i mean like i'm an innovation guy and a marketer down to my core and that's that's who i am um so my, my filter was always basically like people. If it's if it's something that's harmful to people, you should probably regulate it and make sure that you're still doing good by people. And if it's good for people, even consider giving a subsidy. Um, so like that's always kind of been my filter, but it's super murky. And 
it, it becomes very unclear if you actually look at any specific area of regulation. For example, like labor. Okay, yes, like we shouldn't have people working at sweatshops and terrible living conditions and things like that. But at what point do you start to say, well, this group should get a subsidy versus this group should be regulated? Um, similar situation with like environmental protection, mm-hmm. right? We we don't want to pollute, but how how strict should our our legislation be about pollution? Um, and again, like my lens is still basically <laughs> at what point is it really harmful for people, and at what point is it just more of a nuisance? Um, yeah. And then I, I guess like kind of the final area that I was thinking about with regulation um, mentioned labor, I mentioned environment. It's it's really like just growth in general. Um, so at what point is is a business too big and inherently predatory on people, the average consumer, rather than its competition? Um, and I think I, I would be a little bit more generous with letting that one go. I feel like a lot of the time there's there are benefits out of scale that people don't actually realize until um, until they're benefit benefiting from it. It's sort of like search, right? Google search is really really polished at this point, and I think it's uh, it doesn't really have a close competitor. And I actually think that benefits a lot of people because everything we mentioned earlier. Um, so I don't know. That's that's kind of my filter is always think people first. Yeah, and I, I think you know in your in your you know first example there around you know labor and workforce, um, I, I think there's sort of a natural response from uh, the consumer side or from the um, um, from from the workers in that in that example. Um, there's there's you know obviously wage and there's safety with OSHA and there's um, you know um, the overall amount of time that people can work. I forget what governing bo- governing body that is, um, but Yes, all of those things are there as a baseline. There's a lot of data and research, and also there's a lot of you know uh, social and environmental things that dictate what that can be. For instance, in the future, um, you know, if for whatever reason something changed, like this isn't a good example, but if the amount of daylight hours changed, or the amount of sleep, maybe this is a better one, the amount of sleep that people would need due to you know health. Um, modern healthcare and, and uh, mm-hmm. drugs, for instance, if, if the amount of sleep that people needed was less, then we would be overly, we would be overall, you know, more productive and potentially that could change. But um, I, I guess getting back to what I mean to say is um, if all of those things are defined as a baseline and then there's kind of micro adjustments that are made and those are not made on the regulation side, those are made on the individual side. So, um, you know, there's, there's sort of a norm or a baseline or an average um, and that works for most people where it doesn't work. And for an example, there's certain industries, um, that maybe it's very hard to regulate in. So you regulate across all the industries and then individually labor unions will form. Um, and that's sort of the response back. So that's sort of like, um, you know, the micro adjustments that are made in those areas. And it's not necessarily, uh, the job of the governing authority. It's more so the job of, um, you know, the, the, the individuals or, or the, um, the workers and they make those, um, those adjustments themselves. So I, I think that's a great example too. And I think that's probably, you know, going back to our point about how mature the industry is and, and which industry it is. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I think it's, you probably need to let the industry flourish a little bit first. Um, you know, let the technology enhancements happen. Um, I guess the, the, the last thing I'll say, and I know I'm, I'm talking a lot, but you can tell I'm very passionate about this area, mm-hmm. um, is probably uh, an interesting example that um, I first heard, and I know it's been going on for a very long time. It's an entire field, entire field of study now. Um, but the, I think it was in, I think it was at Davos 2017 or 2017. I think it was last year. 
um, where Ginny Rometty and uh, Satya uh, Nadella from Microsoft and, and um, I'm forgetting some others that were there, were talking about um, the future of uh, autonomous driving or um, you know driverless cars um, and what the and if, if you've heard this example um, I'm sure you already know where I'm going but um, there's sort of this like technology is in its infant stages in those areas in autonomous driving and there's certain um, there's certain things that need to be decided uh, before mass adoption. And obviously, you know there will be rigorous testing and all sorts of things, but um, there's certain things that sort of need to be uh, decided by individuals, and these are consumers, but then maybe the average and individuals overall. And then also there's the layer of um, what, what the authorities and, and researchers think is best, maybe even private. Um, for instance, if you have a, a car that is about to crash, um, and you know, it, it's such, it, it sorry, an autonomous, um, car, uh, driverless car, um, is about to crash and it is using its AI and image recognition, um, to determine where is the best place to steer the car. And on the right, you have, you know, two individuals, um, you know, both, uh, older males. And then you have on the left, you have three individuals, you have a, a, a woman and a child and, and, uh, and a man, maybe a family. Um, you know, two lives versus three, but, you know, how do you then differentiate? Um, what logic do you have to put in? Um, because it will advance to that level, um, to the point of, like, it will be able to decide of all, you know, possible outcomes. And those are the types of really tough things um, that are, unfortunately, that logic has to be baked in um, for mm -hmm. a lot of different reasons that I, I could really get into, but, um, but I won't. Um, that's the area where, um, I think, you know, it's very important for industries to become mature, um, or fields to become mature before, um, you know, regulation, but, um, you could see very early on, um, there's a need for a lot of people to really step in and, and help with that. So that's a very tricky area as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it almost becomes like a parenting question too. Like how much, how much did you let? <laughs> your kid fall over or eat dirt or right. things like that how much how much support do they really need um and regulation in a way is, is actually just a support system yep. um yeah so I, I don't know like you were one one thing that you were mentioning a little bit earlier on was um just regulation and how it can actually impact the future um and how it, it basically sets the standard and so it, it'd be like the concept of legal precedence or um stereodecisis i think is the actual Latin term for it. Um, but the idea that like past presidents, the way that one ruling is ruled actually determines the future for the rest. Um, you right. were alluding to this a little bit in voice search. Um, and I think this is super sticky because a lot of the time in regulation, the way things are written are very broad strokes and you can only tune so much within broad strokes. Yeah. So courts have to be very, very careful about how they make decisions. And sometimes it just, if, especially if the intent is not to protect people, it's to, I don't know, if there's something a little bit murkier about it, like if it's, um, I don't know, to generate revenue for the EU or if it's to, um, to, to penalize artificially one business because you have some sort of diplomatic undertones yep. related to the whole thing, it can really screw it up for, for the future generations of, of, I don't know, capitalists trying to make things happen. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's just one more thing that jumped out at me. So, I don't well, know. There's, there's a whole other you. topic we could probably get into about like, the morality of some of these business decisions and things like this when you're talking about like autonomous vehicles and um <laughs> like what 
how do you program for morality in something when you don't even know what the situation is going to be? That's mm-hmm. that's super sticky, and I think that's definitely worthy of its own discussion. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I, I think um, you know one thing's for sure, though. We will definitely see more of these, um, and they will become more common, um, especially like I said, until there's um, there's a baseline of regulation, um, you know, where companies will try to vote, try to avoid these things. Um, you know, in the future, but I think as of right now, there's sort of they're sort of still, um, you know, testing the waters and figuring out exactly what they can get away with in, in today with today's standards, um, and they're going to keep doing that until there's enough of a disincent- disincentive, um, or there's enough legislation that's already out there for them to avoid, and enough experiences you know prior to tell them that you know what we can't afford a um, hundred billion dollar. <laughs> um, uh, and maybe with inflation that will actually, you know, take place. But, um, I think we'll continue to see these things until, um, until that happens. So, yeah. I want to throw one more tangent out there yep. and hopefully, hopefully it's a brief one, but, um, I've worked in food for basically the last two years and I just want to give a nod to the FDA because <laughs> as much of a pain in the ass as they are a lot of the time for us, just in our d- daily course of, of business, um, it really does keep people safe and, if you can have labels that you can trust and the fact that we live in a country where <laughs> that's actually kind of the case, um, it's actually really powerful. And that's the sort of regulation that I think is necessary and protects consumers at the end of the day. Some of it might be unnecessary, like, um, I don't know, there are dietary choices that are now on labels, but, um, if you have like a gluten intolerance, that's actually something that protects you. Um, mm-hmm. if you happen to be vegan by choice, maybe that doesn't protect you, but it's a choice. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think those are just like two things that were kind of top of mind for me. I, I think um, that's a great example too. And I, you know, the one thing that comes to mind, maybe we should find another another episode to talk about this. But um, you know, an example to related exactly to what we were talking about. Um, if you were required, um, you know, by law or by these um, agencies to um, report every single individual thing that was in your product. Um, mm-hmm. You'd be giving away trade secrets. You'd be giving away all types of things. I know in, in your case, that's definitely true. Um, so if you were to do that, um, then that would stifle innovation, wouldn't it? But it would also be really good for the end consumer because there could be certain allergens in there um, that some people just kind of stray away from because it has a, a general additive um, you know, that's not listed specifically. Um, but that's an example where it was self-adjusted, um, where I think um, over time they realized where the line should be. Um, and I think we're in a really good place now. But you do see fonts becoming bigger. I, I saw that in New York um, where, you know, nutrition labels are actually larger size. So I don't know. Oh, that's not just New York. That's full FDA regu- regulation that will actually be rolling in. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. They, food manufacturers, I can't remember exactly the timeline they gave them because I'm not in packaged goods anymore. But um, there was a very clear timeline for when all manufacturers have to transition into the new FDA regulation labels. Um, so that is coming. You will see that everywhere. Absolutely. And you'll be able to see your calories from two shelves away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's a dangerous thing. It's a good thing they face the labels on the other side. So <laughs> That's true. Leaves the guilt out of it. <laughs> well, that was a cool. lot. Um, what do you think? Should we get into picks? Yeah, I think so. Do you have any? Mine's kind of pithy, so I feel like you should go first. Okay. Well, I have a definite not pick. Am I allowed to do that? So I'm traveling to uh, Switzerland with my girlfriend um, in a few weeks, and I had to buy um, a few adapters. So one thing that I realized, and I had been to Europe before, 
um, I realized that the, the all the adapters that I had, none of them had uh, Swiss adapters on them, um, which in the moment really pissed me off because I thought I was set and I just had to kind of flip the switch um, or you know plug in a, in a separate piece separate piece on the adapter, um, and I just figured out that I had to buy uh, all new adapters. So not only like the three adapters that I currently have, did none of them have it? I have to buy three more because we have you know a bunch of devices that we're going to be plugging in to charge when we go to sleep. <laughs> Uh, so that was a that was a fun experience. So thank you Switzerland for being totally different uh, than the rest of Europe, and uh, I think that probably is a good way to go all the way back to our standards discussion. <laughs> uh, so complete uh, three sixty on that one. But um, yeah, the other pick that I have, is, so the the actual pick um, is Amazon's fourteen principles. Um, I don't know if you've read those before, Nick, but. No, I haven't. Uh, they're really good. I think it's on actually Amazon's job site, but if you just Google Amazon principles, <laughs> it'll pop up right away. Google also has them. Uh, I don't know if they use them anymore, but they were called um, the 10 things we know to be true. Uh, Amazon has the, their 14 principles. Um, I think they're really interesting. I'm not going to go into what they are, um, but have a quick look through them. Um, you know, they're really, really short, um, and they're they're pretty interesting. The way that they're even phrased, some of them, like you, sometimes you look at companies' principles, or you look at their mission, or something, um, or their tenants, and uh, <laughs> they're kind of lengthy um, and they're lofty, and uh, there's sort of like this dreamy, um, you know, expression of like what, which is all good. Um, but I really like the kind of to the point one uh, that, you know, Amazon has and they're all kind of, uh, you know, different and, and cool to read. So I uh, highly recommend reading that. It's called the Amazon Principles. All right. I'm definitely going to check that out. Sounds really cool. Um, yeah, cool. So my picks, this is going to, again, be like really pithy, but um, I should give a little bit of context first. So I work in innovation and a lot of the time in innovation, you think that the innovation and the product that you roll out has to be like this big, sexy thing that's very different and very hard. And it's just kind of like the expectation that if you do something that's not extremely original, that you kind of lost <laughs> as an innovator. Um, and I just really don't think that's the case. And we had one example of a really quick win. I'm not going to share exactly what that was. Um, but it would basically be like if Starbucks decided that people want coffee because they want caffeine. And so they launched something that was like extra caffeinated coffee. Sorry, extra caffeinated coffee. Um, it's like a very, very simple concept. Um, but anyway, so like my picks are basically built around these things that are super obvious that hearing it, you've probably heard it a dozen times, but you just don't do it. And if you actually do it, it could change your life. So the picks, without further ado, are drink water, eat plants, and exercise. I, I had to I had to digest that for a second. I think that's, that's awesome. I, I love how succinctly you put that together, and I feel like... I could probably use that day to day and just uh, you know live by it. <laughs> have you have you actually tried that, or or is that you know based on things that you kind of do day to day? Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's a lifelong challenge to actually do those things. Yeah. Um, but the data, there's reams and reams of data behind it, right? If you eat a plant based diet, you're going to live longer, and you're going to live a healthier life, and you're going to live a happier life, and all of those things are actually validated with science <laughs> and experiments, and it's actually backed by data. So. Um, the whole idea that if you drink water and you eat plants and you exercise, you'll be better off for it. There's something to that. As uncomfortable as it may be, it's very simple advice. Um, the hard part is actually doing it. So I've been trying to eat more plants and drink more water and exercise, and I've made some progress in some categories, but it is a lifelong journey. 
So I feel like for the first one and the last one, they don't have to be very specific because water is water. I feel like exercise, like you can pretty much, there's so many different forms of exercise and you can get it no matter if you're walking. Eat plants though. I need you to be a little bit more specific <laughs> on that one. Fruits, just not animals, fruits and vegetables. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Eat close to the tree is the advice that I heard since I was in, I don't know, like high school track. Uh-huh. You eat close to the tree and you eat things that aren't processed and refined and yeah. um, aren't like baked in with terrible for you things. You'll probably do all right. <laughs> I love that. I think honestly, you should probably get some t-shirts made with that on it because I, I feel like that is, that's no, but honestly, I think that's, that's probably advice that people would look at and they'd be like, I can do that. <laughs> that seems simple <laughs> enough, you know, versus like all the complicated things that you hear about all the diets that people are trying and all the, the drugs and things that people um, consume, you know, just to kind of offset other things. It's like, you'll kind of even out if you just do these three simple things. I mean, yeah, like you said, they're not easy to always do and they're not easy to do, um, you know, to actually get up and, and do them sometimes. But um, if you do them, you'll be much better off for it. So I, I yeah, really you, like that. You don't need paleo. You just need to eat some broccoli. Right. That's it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Cool. I really like that one. Um, I think we probably have to plan a another episode to talk a little bit more about regulation. I don't know if it's like a regulation part two or if we do maybe a specific, we pick a specific industry and dive into it, or we could even go into technology and regulation just a little bit more in depth. Um, there's mm -hmm. countless examples of, you know, things that we can bring to the table, but um, I think we'd also, you know, love to hear a little bit more of, um, you know, anyone's thoughts who, um, you know, who got to listen to this episode um, in any chat function that they have. But, um, you know, we would love to hear a little bit more about that and, and you know, pour that into another episode. Awesome. Love it. Cool. See you next week. All right, man. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, listeners. It's Joe here. Thanks for listening to Just a Thought, and we hope you're enjoying it so far. But we want to know, what do you want to hear about? Be sure to let us know if there are any interesting topics that you want us to tackle. Just a thought.